Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, everyone, it is almost 2020. How about that, right? Hello, everyone. My name is Jared Fansom, and you are listening to the Storybox Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This week, I guarantee you, you are really going to get something out of it because we have our first ever Hollywood actress. Is it actress or actor? Either way, uh, it works, whatever. Um, her name is Stephanie Butler. So she's been on things such as Stranger Things, being one of the most well-recognized uh, movies that she's or TV shows that she's been in, uh, part of the Hollywood system. Um, she's played the character of Cynthia. So for all of you uh, Stranger Things fans, you know who that is. That was Stephanie. So she's also been in Ryan Connolly's new film, uh, There Comes a Knocking. She's also been in Justin Robinson's new film as well. Uh, she's been in a lot of uh, various feature films as well. So you can you get to hear a lot of what goes on behind the scenes, some struggles and challenges as a Hollywood actress as well. Um, she was very, very generous with her time. Uh, so I really, really do appreciate, Stephanie, you actually coming on and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us. Um, she has a lot of good things to say as well. Uh, keep in mind that because she is in America, uh, there is some sections of it where uh, the internet sort of drops out a little bit here and there, but I did my best to try and salvage what I could. So I do apologize in advance for that, but stick around. Uh, keep keep listening because I guarantee you, you, you guys are going to love this one um, with Stephanie Butler. So without me continuing on, enjoy. Unfortunately. It is? That's better. Okay, That's um, perfect. Right there. <laughs> right here? Okay. Right there. <laughs> I will not move. I'm just okay. kidding. It will be a statue. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Excellent. Okay, so I guess my first question is, to start off, is whereabouts yeah. are you from and what you do for a living? So basically introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, I am originally from um, Atlanta, Georgia. I was born there. Um, but I sort of moved around a lot growing up. My dad, um, played baseball professionally. And so we moved around a lot as a family. Wow. Um, I, uh, grew up most of, most of the time split between Atlanta, Georgia, pretty evenly in Los Angeles, California. Um, so those are sort of the places I grew up and then kind of bounced around in between there to all the different places, um, that he played ball. What, um, what so I'm sort of, for? 
sort of a gypsy. Yeah, we he played for um, he played for five teams over his career. So wow. he played for the Braves, the Indians, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Mets. And he was with the Dodgers the longest. The Dodgers is by far my favorite American baseball team. <laughs> They're pretty fantastic. I'm a little sad about what's happening now for them, but that's okay. <laughs> wow, I don't actually follow it uh, as such uh, like what I used to. But um, yeah. yeah, like I used to follow the Dodgers a lot. Um, yeah. But that, that's incredible, yeah. actually. Yeah, so we so we moved around a lot for that reason, um, and then basically for work, obviously I'm I'm a actor, I'm a writer, a director. Um, I've also been working. Um, I've been writing a lot more the past few years, so I have uh, written a couple of children's books that I'm in in the process of getting published. Um, I have a blog that I write on that nobody really knows about currently, but I write on a blog. Now's your time um, to plug it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's called Courage Braveheart. Ah, and it's okay. basically um, it's basically a blog trying to encourage um, people who have had brokenness in their lives and have found themselves in difficult circumstances to that's take the courage to step up and into the role that they are um, meant for and to just try to have courage even in the midst of really difficult circumstances. So. Um, I write on that as well. And, you know, I, I think, and then obviously, you know, just to supplement income, I've been working in restaurants and catering and all, all the glamorous things my mm. whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always want to be an actor? Yeah. You know, um, that's a great question. I think, I think so, but I didn't realize it. I think, you know, as a kid growing up with my siblings and us traveling around so much and being around so many different people with, with my dad's job, we ended up sort of having to keep ourselves busy and find Mm -hmm. ways to entertain ourselves. So as kids, there were four of us and we ended up writing and putting on plays all the time. So we'd be in hotels and we'd be writing plays and putting on plays and then we'd be in um, different locations. And then when we came home, we would put on plays for my parents and we'd have their friends come over and then we'd we sort of did this, you know, lives growing up. And then when I was um, in high school, we were sort of allowed to decide, uh, high school, we were able to kind of decide this is what I wanted to study. And, I, um, and from then I, you know, I, I did that in high school. I went to college. I was a major in college. I got a scholarship to go to school for that. Wow. Um, I think I was just curious. I think, you know, breaking, I mean, not breaking up, uh, growing up and so many people um, from different kind of areas and walks of life really got me to this place where I just wanted to know and understand people more. And I think Mm -hmm. it created a lot of empathy in me, which um, has caused me to want to understand characters and, and why they do the things they do and, and how things affect them and how people, you know, behaviorally respond to those things. Um, that's always been fascinating to me. And so I think from an early age between doing the plays with my siblings, being an avid reader and loving story in itself, and then kind of, you know, wanting being an empath and wanting to connect with people. I think that that felt like a pretty natural path for me. And did you actually go to film school? Uh, leaving, I didn't. You didn't. Wow. So yeah, no, I didn't go to film school, but I did go to school for theater. You know, I was a theater major in college. I, you know, graduated with that and did theater all throughout college. So not film school per se, but yeah, got got a really great um, experience being on the stage and and being an actor. Obviously, did you have a lot of great teachers in the theater school? 
Oh man, I did. I will, I will tell you my high school, um, my high school acting teacher, his name was Cliff Jones. And I loved this man. He was, man, at the time he felt like he was in his seventies. He was probably much younger than that. <laughs> um, but he had completely white hair. He was tall and thin and always wore a turtleneck. I feel like it's sort of the iconic <laughs> theater teacher that you would yep. think of. Um, but this man was amazing. He was incredibly soft-spoken. Yeah. Um, but very, but very confident and very kind. And he always told us that we had a gift and that we, um, we could be anything we wanted to be as long as we worked hard at it. And as long as we, um, cared about, you know, I just doing our best. And then I think I was super blessed in college. I had, um, a couple of teachers, Danny Campbell. Um, he was one of my college teachers and then Kathy Thomas Grant. Mm. And that was at Pepperdine, um, in Malibu. And they were phenomenal. I loved Kathy. She loves actors. She mm. loves actors. And she, um, really championed us to do the best work we could. And I think something that my acting teacher in college, Danny Campbell, he said to me once, and it, I think it was a really profound moment for me in life. Um, I was having a really hard time. We were doing Shakespeare in a Shakespeare class and I was playing. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was playing puck from a midsummer night's dream. Wow. And I was standing across from my friend. Cause it was, it was basically like for a final, we had to present a scene. Yep. And I'm telling you, man, I could not get the lines out to save my life. I was, and I was furious. I was livid <laughs> at myself and I'm staring at my scene partner, like throw me a bone, man, help me save me. <laughs> And he was looking at me like, I don't know what to do. I can't help you. Oh. And um, and so Danny kind of stopped us and he said, okay, hold on just a second. He said, Stephanie, come here. I want to talk to you. And he was like, you are mad. I was like, I'm furious. He was like, what are you so angry? <laughs> he was like, what are you say- so angry about? And I said, well, I guess I just suck. I guess I'm a bad actor. I guess I, I can't do this because I, I, I memorized it. I can't get the words out. I don't know. Maybe I just suck and I can't do Shakespeare. And, uh, he looked at me just point blank. He was very, very, um, honest and I appreciated it. He said, mm-hmm. um, you know what your problem is? I was like, well, I guess you're going to tell me. And he was <laughs> like, um, he was like, your problem is, is you're so concerned about what everybody else thinks about you. Wow. He said, and Stephanie, you're never going to be a bad actor ever. He said, you're t- too honest to be a bad actor. So it's never going to happen for you, but you're never going to be a great actor unless you take the focus off of yourself and put it on your scene partner and make it about them. Wow. He was like, that's your real problem. And he literally just like walked away then. And I was like, jaw on the floor. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He just called me out. And also he's totally right. Yeah. And so I think I felt really blessed to have the uh, acting teachers that I did. I think they really made me think about things. They made me learn to not be a selfish actor and mm-hmm. to really give to my scene partner. Um, and that's what I try to do whenever I'm on a set now. It's vitally important to me. So you find that being humble is more important as an actor than actually being stuck up? And Because I've been <laughs> on sets where there's been actors, like famous actors, and They've not treated the crew right. They haven't even said hello. It's either they're actually in the character and they're method actors um, right. or they're just, I guess, really, really terrible people to be around because they think the the sun shines from their backside in a way. Yeah, so I, I think, think probably a lot of them do. <laughs> yeah, so I think like having that perspective is really, really great. It's really humbling 
to actually mm. hear actors that, you know, do amazing work, but they still have that groundness, like that, that level-headedness as well. So yeah. I, re- I really appreciate that about, like, you, you telling us that as well. Um, yeah. So what what is it sort of about acting that you love the most? Is it more or less just being in a different character or being able to just portray different uh, people? Um, yeah. I'm always curious about this. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think there are a couple of things. I think one thing that I think made me fall in love with uh, acting in and of itself is um, I just remember reading books growing up and thinking, oh, I wish I was in that book. Mm. Oh, I wish I was that character. And I think that transferred to then film, obviously, because finally you can you have an opportunity to maybe be that character or be in that story and and think of how you would respond and react in certain moments and things like that. And so I think, um, I love the idea of getting to understand people because, right. I think the biggest thing for all of us as humans is, um, I like to say it this way. I think in life, um, we as humans, number one are are wired for survival. Mm -hmm. And then number two, we're wired for connection. And if you're somebody who is always in survival mode, it's actually really difficult for you to connect with people. And I feel like that there are so many characters who are, man, life circumstances has kind of put them on guard or has um, whatever the life thing circumstances that have happened that have led them to where they are. I'm interested in that. I want to know why behaviorally they're doing the things they're doing. I want to understand because I feel like in some way, if I'm able to explore and understand these characters that I play... Um, I get to understand people a little bit better, which means in life, um, I get to understand myself better mm-hmm. and I get to connect with myself and other people better. And I think honestly, like there's, it's sort of a psychology behind it. Like that's something that I really love about it mm-hmm. on top of the fact, different. exactly. And, and not everyone thinks the same way and not everyone was raised in the same kind of home. Like everyone has very different life experiences, but getting to, you know, portray different life experiences means you're going to be able to connect with different people throughout you know, the course of your career, which means you have an opportunity then to, to have insane and wonderful connections and conversations with people you maybe otherwise wouldn't. Um, so I, I really love that. I also love the fact that, I mean, if I'm just super honest, if I could be in any time period that is not now, that's what I'd like to be in. <laughs> so like any period piece I would love to be in. So I love the idea that I get to throw on a corset and ride a horse. And I love that I get to do things that like in my normal everyday, I would never get to do. Um, and then I love, I love the communal aspect of a film. It doesn't take one person to make a film. It hundreds of people to make a film and nobody, nobody is successful unless everyone is successful. And Mm -hmm. if you fail, um, other people fail. So it's, it, it really is this like synergy where you have to rely on each other. You have to all be on your game. It is this very community, community kind of oriented thing. And, you know, the fact that anybody would have ego, like I get it. I get Mm -hmm. that. Like if you are the front runner, it feels like I'm carrying this thing and this is about me. And like, we need to make sure, you know, I've got my stuff together, but at the end of the day, like there's no possible way you can be as good as you need to be without every single other person on set. So there really isn't room for ego in my mind. And if there is like life's too short and I just don't want to work with people who are egotistical. I just don't, I can't anymore. Like I just don't have the energy. (laughs) Yeah. No one has the energy really. How do you actually cope or manage with ego on set? Have you ever come across that? Oh, you wouldn't even believe it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I have. 
Oh man, it is a, a delicate dance because yeah. there is this fine line. And this has been really interesting too. Um, cause I've started directing a, a few more things. Um, it's really interesting to kind of see how you have to address people in different ways. So like, for instance, if I'm an actor and there's somebody else who has an ego, um, I, I remember I worked on this one project and I will never name names, but I worked on this one project and, you know, there was a prop that I really wanted at the end. And I had asked the props department, Hey, can I buy this prop from you? It feels like it's, you know, it was a big part of my character and I'd really love to purchase it. And I didn't ask to, to have it. I, I said I would pay for it. And they said, you know, actually we can't, we have to send this back. This is an antique. And I said, okay, I understand. And the other actor, um, I saw that he later on, like a week later, I saw that he had gotten his and I was like, oh man, I was like, they gave you yours. Oh man, that's such a bummer. I totally, you know, wanted mine. I I told him I'd buy it. And he said to me, um, well, when you are the lead actor, um, and it's about you, they'll give you whatever you want. And I thought, wow, you're kind of an a-hole. Like, (laughs) like, who says that? And also like gross. Um, but but he had a point because he he was the front runner and he did get what he wanted and it was mm-hmm. fine and he didn't even pay for it and he didn't even care about it. But at the end of the day, like those people, I think it's just a very different mentality. And what I just try to do is I, I really just try to keep my, my, my perspective straight. I try to keep myself surrounded with grounded, lovely people. And I try to let the other stuff go because people are going to be who they want to be and you are only responsible and in charge of yourself and that's it. And how you treat other people and the way that you choose to conduct yourself. I will say as a director, it's been really interesting to um, work with actors. So my, my biggest thing, because I'm an actor is when I'm a director, um, number one priority for me is that my actors feel safe with me, that they know that they can come to me, that I've got their back, that they can ask me any questions, that it's sort of my job in a way to protect, them so that they are in a state emotionally where they can give their best 120%. Mm. And so I have sort of learned with people who might be a little bit more egotistical in that area, as long as they feel safe with you, um, there's really not an issue with that. Um, So I feel like that's been good at least. And again, my directing has been minimal thus far, but, um, and then, you know, I, another one I was directing, there was somebody who was a producer on it. And she did not like that I had come in to co-direct with somebody else. And the other gentleman was having a really hard time. It was difficult subject matter. And she, this girl who is producing, Mm. lost it on me in front of an entire cast and crew. What did Um, you do? uh, I I told her that she needed to stop, first of all, yelling at me. And Mm -hmm. that we could have an adult conversation and and that we could be calm about it. And... um, I just sort of tried to stand my ground and, you know, asked everybody else to please leave the room so that we could have a private conversation. And they all did. And, um, it didn't go well. I mean, to be honest, she was super rude to me. She wasn't going to hear a word I had to say anyway. And at one point I just had to ask the other gentleman who had asked me to co-direct to come in and to handle the situation since this was technically his project. And I had come in as a guest director for him and, Mm -hmm. Um, he sort of didn't actually stand up for me, which was a bummer. But at the end of the day, um, I was coming in to help them. And if for whatever reason that was unappreciated or um, I, I was being treated that way, I was doing them a favor. I wasn't I wasn't doing it for my own health, do you know? So yeah. I think you just have to learn that, like, there are people who are going to have, you know, 
certain issues and um, take responsibility for the things you need to take responsibility for and then the other things you can let go. And so I think you just have to take each person as they come at you and try to be as gracious and kind and, and thoughtful as you can. And then otherwise, you know, know that a lot of stuff at the end of the day probably doesn't have anything to do with you. Exactly. That's a, a really good mentality to have as well, uh, especially having to yeah. go through all those sorts of things because you don't actually want to go through those particular circumstances, especially for oh, something yeah. that you really, really want to do. Uh, it's really, really right. unfair and it should never, never actually happen. But the fact of the matter is it does happen all too often. And I hear so many stories of different actors that I know, uh, directors even that have gone through absolute living hell because of yeah. other producers, other creatives, execs. And it's, you're just trying to think, well, at the end of the day, we're trying to make something together here amazing. Why is everyone being right. absolute pain in the butts you know it's yeah that's exactly right so if everyone i think in life a lot of people just need to like get off their pedestal and just come a, a notch down so we can all just talk evenly <laughs> um yeah, yeah yeah i think that's the biggest thing like right i think number one before you do anything like leave your ego at the door everybody is a person and everybody deserves respect mm. um i don't care what you think of them every single person deserves at least kindness and respect exactly. and you can have a problem with them. You cannot like the way that they go about things you can, but like you have to keep yourself in check again. You know, if, if your point is also trying to be a good example and have a hard work ethic and all that, my dad, you know, being a ball player, my dad gave 120% in everything mm. that he did. He had a 17 year career, was always told he was too small and would never make it. And he worked his butt off and had a, an amazing work ethic and, and just a kindness. Um, I think that, you know, I think as long as you give 120% to everything you do, you treat other people the way that you'd like to be treated and, you know, stay humble. I think those are the most important things in any work environment. I think kindness also breeds kindness as well. It might not be when you think it's going to be, but it it will eventually come. It's like they say it's it's karma. <laughs> um, I, I don't really right. be- believe in, in actual karma. Um, I myself, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but it's a very different like understanding because it's, it's a very different truth. Uh, I think the right. world and, and, you know, Buddhism and karma and all that kind of stuff has, has made it mainstream. But it actually comes from, yeah. I believe, it comes from Christ. You know, like you do right by people and then the good things are going to come back to you eventually. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, right, like not everybody's going to think the way that we think or no, think that. No. And I think it, it's okay. But at the end of the day, everybody can get behind. Even if you don't, even if you're not a Christian person or don't believe God that way, mm. um, everybody can get behind the fact that like, yeah, yeah kindness begets kindness that if you are um, ugly to somebody, you're probably going to get that in return. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the golden rule, which everybody is taught as children is treat people the way that you like to be treated. And um, so I think as long as we all can kind of stick to that, we'll be good. Exactly. So I guess moving to something, when you get a script and you first read the script, what's the process? Like what's going through your head when you're reading the script? Mm. The first thing I try to do is read the script. You know, a lot of people talk about when they read a script, they try to read it um, unattached just as like a bystander or somebody who's just enjoying the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do that. It's really hard for me because my mind moves so quickly and I automatically go to like, ooh, how would I do this? Or would this look this way? Or, 
ooh, I would have done that differently or stuff like that. So um, it's sort of hard for me to do that. But I guess the biggest thing for me, and I think especially because I write, um, is it has to be well-written. If it's not a well-written script um, and it doesn't flow easily off of the page, uh, there are things where I get lost or it doesn't make sense to me or um, it's just there's not strong plot or story um, with like normal arcs and things like that, um, then it's difficult for me to get behind that. Mm. I really, really structure is actually uh, strangely very important to me. Um, and whether the characters like if I relate to them, it comes from like good character and then also like good dialogue. And also is the story worth telling to me. I think that was really important for TV shows that were like on the air for a really long time and yeah, so for me, I think it's just being able to get behind the script is just telling. If it's not, it feels safe. It would be a way I'm with my heart invested in it. And mm-hmm. so that script would probably better be better suited to use me all. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really have to believe in the story that's being told that what I'm putting out into the world feels like it's worth telling, um, that it's saying something important. Mm-hmm. That I want to continue having a conversation about it afterwards. Uh, those are the th- <laughs> <laughs> Although be... you're probably too young for a, for a landline. Actually, you'd be surprised. I'm not. Um, no? No. So I still remember landlines. I still remember dial-up internet. I still remember all those things. Um, oh, good. So maybe you're close to my age then. <laughs> I'm, I'm 23. So I'm... Oh, no. You're way younger. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I still, I still remember. Like, I grew up in the the late 90s, early 2000s, but we still had all that stuff going up, the floppy disk and... Um, uh, that's funny. Fun, Australia's fun behind then, I guess. We no, were I'm very, just kidding. We are very behind. <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. So, um, yeah, you're saying in terms of story, uh, yeah. it ha- has to actually have a, a meaning or has to say something, otherwise you're not really going to be that interested in it. Um, yeah. Have you come across, I guess, for you... So story is the most important thing before you sign on to a project. Yeah, I think knowing, I think the, first of all, I have to be drawn obviously to the script and the story and why the story is being told. That feels like number one, because that's the first thing I get. I get to read about who the characters are. I get to read about why we're telling this story. Um, and then usually from there, you know, I want to talk to, if, if they're available, I want to talk to the director um, about their vision for it and, um, sort of what direction they want to be going. That feels really important to me. Um, so say for instance, you were to be given a script from say Steven Spielberg and the script was, okay, Steven, let's go. (laughs) And the, and the script wasn't the best. It didn't say exactly what you wanted to say. Would you still take the project? So that's, uh, that's a really interesting question. So, Okay, obviously the story is vitally important to me because, again, if it's a story that feels like it's just putting garbage out into the world, like I don't want to be a part of that. Mm. Um, I will say that there are directors uh, that I would love to work with. There are a lot of writers that I think are phenomenal. There are um, specific actors that I really want to work with, those things. And if they were attached to a project, obviously, that would make it more appealing to me or more interesting. Um 
And look, I'm not going to sit here and say if Steven Spielberg asked me to be a part of a project and I just didn't, you know, really fully love the story that I'd say no to it. Mm. Um, but I will say that there has to be some redemptive quality or some quality to the story that feels like you have to get me on board and help me to understand your perspective of why the story is important. Um, because if that doesn't make sense to me, like I'm not going to be able to commit to it anyway. It doesn't matter who the director is. That's good. I I still like people that actually affirm with what they believe in, no matter who comes across their path, where it's a huge famous person that tries to get them involved in a project you believe in what you believe and you stand by it. Um, yeah. That, that says a lot about a person, I believe. Um, yeah. So I guess, but if Stephen, yeah. if Stephen is listening, then Stephen, <laughs> I would love to talk about whatever projects you have. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. Honestly, if Stephen Spielberg was listening to this, my goodness, I'd be like the happiest man alive. <laughs> Cause right? he was, I know, right? he's my favorite uh, movie director. Um, uh, tell me, tell me about that. Why? What do you love? I love how he conveys story. So he's he's able to, the kind of stories that he tells, he's able to get in the mind of either a child with E.T., an, a, a child mm-hmm. as well, and an adult with Jurassic Park. And then you've got mm-hmm. the more serious approach with Minority Report. Um, and then mm-hmm. you've got, he just, he's timeless, honestly. Like he's able to tell stories in a way that other directors can't, I feel like. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that, that's why I, I guess when I was growing up, some of the movies that I watched for start to start off with was uh, Jaws, uh, E.T., Jurassic <laughs> Park. And I remember seeing Jurassic Park for the first time and just being in absolute awe with what he was able to achieve with that, yeah. not, not only technology-wise, but the story just gripped me. It's like it wasn't just about the dinosaurs. It was about the things that were going on in in the movie like the story right. just literally excelled everything else. Um, and that, that's what I really appreciate about uh, Spielberg is the fact that he chooses good stories that he himself believes in. Cause I, I can imagine that he'd have thousands of scripts on his desk at any one time, but he's decided yeah. to choose specific ones that he wants to tell. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you can tell they're all sort of in, you know, directors have a very specific, um, the, the good ones, like, you, you know, when it is a Steven Spielberg film, or, you know, when it's a JJ Abrams film, or, you know, when it is a Quentin Tarantino film, you know, when it's a, you know, Jane Campion film, like you, you know, they have their hand on things, Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow, like, you know, it's very specific that, you know, I don't know, they're, they're, style comes across in, in a lot of really great directors work. I think most of those like Tarantino, Nolan, all those great directors, yeah. they're, they're heavily on story. Like they're so focused on getting the story right. And I think that's what makes yeah. them really, really, really successful is the fact that they've mm-hmm. actually taken the time to sit down, flush out all the things that they wanted to tell in this story and then everything else. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't have a good story, then you're not going to make a good movie. That's just, this yep. fact like story comes first that's important okay. and story is for me the most important whenever I'm watching yeah. a movie whenever I'm critiquing a movie my friends hate it with me when I go to the movies because I'm always talking and oh it, me too yeah. it's the worst my sister's like shut up please <laughs> my, my family hates it so that like we <laughs> don't want to take you to watch a movie but on the other hand Jared, we still want to take you anyway because we want to hear what you think about it 
Um, yeah. They're like, just wait till afterwards. So yeah. we'd be good movie buddies then. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we'd be talking 100%. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine actually said, like, she was comparing how bad I was to it. But we haven't sat down and watched a movie together, so we wouldn't know. I'm just like, just ask my mum. She'll she'll tell you like 100% <laughs> or, any, or any, any of my friends um, that I've been to see a movie with. My goodness, like I just don't stop. It's, it's like this is wrong. <laughs> so, so I guess moving, moving a bit forward because I am mindful of your time, um, what was it like working with Justin? Oh, man. Uh, I love Justin Robinson. That dude, first of all, he, how do I describe working with Justin? I, so I met Justin first because my sister knew Justin. My sister worked on a film with him first and it was a short film called Riff Raff. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. And so my sister Abby was in that film and she loved it and she had, you know, talked about Justin before and then Isaiah Stratton, who's been friends with Justin for a long time, and I had worked with him, <clears throat> had worked with Grant Christie on a project, and all of these guys all worked together at the time, and um, Andrew Bradford, and they're all filmmakers up in North Carolina, and they all work together all the time. And I had always, you know, from afar, living in California, had been like, oh, man, they're all in the southeast, and I want to work with these guys at some point, but I'm in California. Like, it's never going to happen. Mm. And then um, a couple years ago, I moved to Nashville, and so great because then they're like, I mean, you're so close now, you know, we should find together. I was like, yes, Liz. So the first time um, I actually worked on a project with any of those guys, a project Isaiah had written, it was just a short film he was doing. And with Allie Sutton, um, actually, who was a um, guest of honor with me, she was the blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, he were doing a film together and Justin had worked um, in the background on that film, I was like literally making catering and food for people and was like calling rolling and stuff like that, trying to keep people quiet on set. I was just like a little PA helping out basically doing whatever I could. Um, and then, um, Andrew Bradford had shot that. And so I kind of met a couple of those guys then anyway, long story short, so I got to work with a few people. Um, and then I had called, Bradford at one point because Abby and I had written a little film that we were trying to shoot in like 10 days. We were going to enter it into a film festival and Andrew happened to be there shooting something else and was like, I have a day off and I can shoot it on my day off. And we were like, are you kidding? That would be awesome. And Jay Rob was in town. He was like, I'll come help too. And we were like, stop it. Are you serious? Dude, like, that's awesome. So they came over and shot film for us. We ended up entering it into a little film festival and we actually won second place, which was awesome. Wow, congrats. Um, and thanks. It was really cool. Um, and then um, from being on set with actually Justin and watching him work, I've never seen anybody or been around anyone who works harder, who mm. gives 150%, who is always literally three steps out of you thinking about what, what you could possibly need. And he's already like in motion to do that thing for you before you even ask him. Wow. Um, he literally is the most thoughtful person on a set. If you need water, he's got a water. He's already written your name on it, and he's got a straw for you. If you uh, look like you might be hot within, like, a couple of minutes, he's already, like, finding a fan and plugging it in to make sure he can cool you down. Like, he is literally – he will do anything. He has no ego. He's the most humble person I've ever met. And I told him, Justin, like, I I will sweep – 
hours on your set. I will come and do whatever you need. I don't care if it's the smallest part. Like I have so much respect for you on top of the fact that he is like so stupid talented Mm -hmm. and, and like has the biggest heart. Like he will sit there and whisper notes into your ear. He, when you get emotional talking about your character, he's crying with you. Like he is the most empathetic and, you know, Justin has been through a lot of stuff in his own life and, Hi, I just think it has opened his heart to have so much love and compassion and care for every single person he's in contact with. It doesn't matter if he's serving you or directing you or anything. There is no ego and he's so talented. I'm like, that guy's going to go so far. And if I can work with anyone like that, who treats people that way on set and is that kind and that talented, like that's what I want. Mm. Um, so that was my experience working with Justin. Um, I literally just have the utmost respect for him. And um, having him as a director was really interesting. I love him because I think actually he and I think uh, things really similarly. I think our brains work the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of get obsessive over something and, and think of that thing. And then we're like in it. So if I'm like writing, I'm in, in that world. I'm putting music on to like help get me into that world. And then I have like a whole playlist set up and then I like have mood boards with all these photos so that I have imagery. So I'm looking at it and like, I like to go check out and figure out what costumes people would wear. Like I do like, like to do all of that stuff. And so does Justin. And so I think we really kind of connect on that. Wow. Um, and so I really appreciated that on Guest of Honor because he was involved in every single process. It didn't matter what it was. He wanted to know all about makeup. He had thoughts on hair. He had thoughts on costume. He chose all of the costumes himself. He, you know, made sure that I, you know, I had already, um, which was so gracious of him, I had already found a dialect coach um, who could teach me German and stuff like that. But he had already also gone above and beyond and gotten somebody to record stuff and then sent that over to me as well. Um, he spent, you know, tons of time on the phone with me. We just sort of spitballed ideas back and forth about character and story and why she would respond this way versus that way. And like, I think we're both dorks. We just sat on the phone and talked about this stuff for like, you know, an hour or two. And he was totally cool to be like, yeah, great. Any other time you need to call me, call me. So I just think that we work very similarly and, um, yeah, I couldn't say better things about Justin. He's lovely. That's awesome. And what was the yeah. what was the process like being on set for Guest of Honor? How long did it take you guys to actually finish that project? Yeah, so we only shot for two days, um, so it was pretty quick. Wow. Um, but and very intense. You know, obviously the subject matter is very heavy, and yes. I had sort of again dove right in and sort of obsessed over it because I, you know when he told me the story, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's an, a woman, you know, is this about the actual woman? Um, I think her name is Margo. No, Marco. I think it's Margo or Margaret. <clears throat> I can't remember, but she, um, uh, Margaret Volk, I think is her name, who it was actually about. Um, she, you know, I think maybe like eight years ago or something, um, finally spoke up after having been one of Hitler's taste testers. She hadn't talked about it in 60 years and it was her like 97th birthday. Um, and she said, I, I feel, feel ready to talk about it. And I feel like the world needs to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later she died. Um, but her story was like fascinating and reading. I just got obsessed and read all about it. And then I started reading about other people's experiences of what it was like and what it meant to be a taste tester and how there were only 15 of them. And they had to come from very high society German families who were, they were in perfect health and they were all under the age of 30. And 
you know, these 15 women lived at the wolf's lair with 2000 men, you know, for two years, or I'm technically, they, they were taste testers for two years, but they lived there full time only for eight months after a bomb went off. But like, it was crazy to really dive in and like, get to know this story. Um, and because of that, um, it's a, you know, it's, it's dark subject matter. It's hard. It was exhausting. Um, but felt really important. And meeting Frida, who got to play the older Anna, um, she and I met and immediately, like, we just sort of, like, clung to each other. And um, I just felt very, like, you know, uh, connected to her. And we just sort of cried together. And, um, yeah, it was just a beautiful experience. And at the end, I was fully exhausted. (laughs) How long did it take you to sort of wind down and relax after that project? I mean, not that long. I try to be one of those actors who like doesn't, um, I'm not a method actor. I'm an imagination based actor. And so I create all of this stuff for my character as if, you know, it's separate from me. So in the moment I can like pop right into it and be there because I'm thinking about who that person is Mm -hmm. and what it would be like to be in their shoes. But the, you know, my job is to be that person and then to step out of that and be myself. Yep. so that I can love people well on set and still connect with people and not have to just be in my own little world. So I really tried to tried to train myself as an actor to be able to do that and pop in and out like that. Um, sometimes amazing. I need a little bit, yeah, sometimes I need a little bit more quiet or I might, you know, have a somber moment if there's a, a more intense scene coming up where I just need to be by myself or have my headphones in or something like that. But then once it's done, I'm like, whoo, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It doesn't take me that long, but I think, you know, there are certain things where if you're just in it, it, it could take you a couple of days just to get it all out of your system and need to just sleep and rest and catch up on, you know, the rest that you haven't had emotionally. Mm. Well, you certainly did an amazing job in that film. Thank you. Portraying the character. It was certainly a standout for me when I watched it. Um, I was Mm. like, who is this actress? I've never seen her before in my life. Never heard of you before, but you just like. You captivated me <laughs> when I was oh, watching. Thank you so when much. I was watching it, and that's sort of what sparked me wanting to speak to you even more. And then because I follow Ryan as well, yeah, uh, big big fan of his work. He's helped me, I guess. He's inspired me uh, over the years. Yeah. So I mean, it'd be a dream to have him come on on the podcast as well and and talk uh, and just yeah. just to kind of meet him as well would be an absolute dream come true. But in terms yeah. of working on how did that I guess how did you hear about that project and how did you actually get the role for his so film? uh yeah gosh I love Ryan Connolly too so the way I met Ryan was through Justin because for a guest of honor Ryan was I'm yeah Ryan was one of the producers on that and so he was actually in the room while we were shooting and I had never met Ryan before. And so the first time I met him, it was again, very brief on set. It was like a, hi, nice to meet you while I was in guest of honor doing that. Um, but didn't really like, didn't honestly, didn't have a lot of, I had heard about Ryan Conley and, you know, Justin had talked about how he had moved to Texas and was working for him and all of that stuff. So I knew of him, um, but I just hadn't had any interaction with him. Mm-hmm. Um, except for like a couple, like I said, brief moments on guest of honor. So, um, I got to know him a little bit there, but then, you know, it was really nice. I was in Europe this summer. I decided to go to Ireland, um, and do a solo trip and just kind of travel abroad and backpack and stuff like that. So I did that for three months this summer. And while I was in Ireland doing that, um, Ryan emailed me 
he was like, Hey Steph, Ryan Connolly here. Hope you're doing well, man. Loved your work in guest of honor. You know, it turned out really well. You should be really proud of it. Um, I have my next project, which I'm working on and, um, you know, I'd really love for you to be a part of it. If you're interested, um, when are you going to be back from Ireland? <laughs> I hope it's by this date. And I was like, uh, ooh, I don't know. Um, so anyway, um, I just, I just said, Hey, give me a call when you have a minute and we can kind of chit chat. So, or, or maybe I, uh, emailed him back. I don't remember either way, but I just, I got back to him and said, Hey, um, you know, I'm technically planning on being back by this date, but if you know for sure that you're going to shoot by a certain time and you need me back prior to that, then that's fine. I just, just, I just need a like definite, yes, these are the dates because if I'm changing my flight from Ireland, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm going to be there for, you know, the actual work that is going to happen. So anyway, he was like, yep, let's get it, let's get it settled. So we did that. And then afterwards he was so kind and he was just like, man, I'm so excited that you um, said yes. And that you're able to do it. You know, I, I didn't tell you this at the time, but I actually wrote this for you. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do if you said no, or you were just going to stay in your, <laughs> he was like, so I'm really glad you said yes. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so kind of you. And also that's awesome. I'm glad I said yes too. Um, so yeah, so it was great. And then he and I got on the phone and, you know, I, you know, my last couple of years have been kind of uh, difficult. I've just sort of been through a lot kind of personally and went through a divorce and mm -hmm. <clears throat> all of that stuff. And, um, man, but it was so amazing because I think projects come to you at the perfect timing. Yep. And I think that you end up telling stories that are maybe a part of you and other people don't even realize it. So, you mm -hmm. know, the last couple of stories I've been telling have been so dark and so heavy and like, so, so much grief is in them. Um, but I think that that's probably because that's what I've been experiencing in my life in a lot of ways. Mm. And I'm definitely having a lot of healing from that. But I think it, I was probably getting parts like that because um, I wonder if people could just see or kind of sense that that's where I was at and I could easily connect to those things. Mm. Um, and so Ryan sort of didn't know that at the time, but when we chatted about it, he was like, oh my gosh, stuff, I had no idea. And like, we sort of talked through this stuff and about how, you know, there comes a knocking is really about grief. And yeah. about loss. Um, and so it'll be really interesting. And that really intrigued me. And I said, you know, I, I think I can really relate to this woman. And, um, you know, thank you for thinking of me for this project. And and then obviously, like, working on set with him. It was just a dream. And he, again, I told him, I was like, when can we work together again? Like, I'll do anything. And he's like, okay, like, all the time. Let's do it. I'm like, that sounds great. Um, so I'm hoping that I have an opportunity, obviously, to work with him again. He's super talented. He's so kind and gracious, and he's a true collaborator. He really wants to have your insight and your input and, and you know, get your thoughts on things. And so I just appreciate um, that he has that sort of respect for, for, you know, actors, because not all directors do. A lot of directors are like, hey, this is my thing, and I'm going to tell you. And, yeah, I sort of care about some of your input, but not really. Mm -hmm. Um but he's not like that. He really, really cares. Um, and he's just a good person with a good heart. Um, and then he's like the consummate professional, like just on, on his game has complete vision, knows what he's talking about. And because he sort of worked every other role on set and not just a director, he's worked every other role. And because of that, he has so much respect for every single person in each role that is, you know, on set and everything that has to be done. And he also has vision then to say, Hey, actually, I know that this light can be done this way because I can do it. And it's so, 
So let me help kind of figure that out. And so he like literally has insight into every kind of role, which I think just makes him an incredible team player. Mm. Um, yeah. What's your most memorable experience on set? Good or bad? Uh, (laughs) it could be both. Okay. Um, on, 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 sorry, on set. One good. On Ryan's set or any set? Um, go for Ryan's set. I'm curious now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, on Ryan's set, I really did not have a bad experience. It was friggin' hot. That was it. Yeah. I mean, which is fine, but it was like, you know, Texas in the middle of the summer and it's supposed to be, you know, colder in the house and I have a long sleeve thermal on and a sweater and there's a fire going and it's like 98 (laughs) degrees and I'm sweating and trying. And like, also then, you know, when you cry and you're emotional, you end up producing more body heat too. And then your face is wet and hot. And like, it was just, there were some days where I was like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. That was the only (laughs) thing really. Um, but yeah, no, literally no negative experience, um, at all. Um, I mean, obviously like you get tired and there are Mm. moments where like it it makes for a long day, but because you love it and you're excited about the project and what you're doing, like you can suck that up and then, you know, kind of deal with that later. But also, you know, I think in any subject matter that's heavy subject matter is just hard because it requires a lot of you emotionally. Mm. Um, I would say that's the hard thing. I would think, I would say the best thing about working on Ryan's set um, man, like, like I said, like everybody's just a team player. It's like a well-oiled machine. Um, you know, Chase, our DP was fantastic. He's super professional. He knows exactly what he's doing. And because he and Ryan work so well together all the time, they just, they just know what they're doing. Lucas is our editor and he was fantastic. I love that dude. Um, and they just all work so closely together and like, just know it. And because, you know, people like Justin Robinson and Andrew Bradford and Levi, who these are all our camera guys, you know, they have all worked together for years and are like super good friends. Like they speak the same language. And so it's really easy for them to flow on set and make sure everything goes off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody from, you know, Jess and, um, and um, Megan and everybody who did, you know, hair and makeup and wardrobe and stuff like that. And then, um, oh, which was so awesome. So then my co-star, Brett Davidson. So Brett and I have known each other for like 10 years. He went to Pepperdine. He was a couple of years ahead of me. And then we would always each other at auditions. We'd always see each other and we'd like say, oh my gosh, hey. And we'd like catch up and like while we were waiting to go in for different auditions and stuff, we'd chat in the like waiting room and stuff like that. And then, you know, we'd say bye to each other. But I had always thought, man, I'd love to work with Brett Davis, nicest guy, and he's super talented. Um, and then we just never got to work together. And then he, you know, moved to New York and I was in LA and then um, he moved to Texas and then I moved to Tennessee. And so I was just like, whatever. And then when they, <laughs> Ryan cast it, and then when Ryan cast it, it was so amazing because I was talking to Jess, the, the costumer. And I was, she was, yeah, so anyway, your husband's going to blah. And I was like, oh, they cast him perfect. Do you, do you know who they went with? And she said, oh, he's this local actor. His name's Brett David. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, stop it. No Are you way. serious? She's like, yeah. I was like, I know Brett. Brett and I've known each other for years, literally are buddies. And I am so stoked. So I immediately like got off and like texted him and was like, are you playing, you know, so-and-so in Ryan's new film? 
please tell me yes. And he was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm stoked we get to work together. So it was just a small world. And like, it just made it so nice because every single person on set, like I just immediately felt really comfortable. I knew so many people and it just makes your job easy to feel comfortable and safe. And like, you can just be who you need to be. Hmm. Have you ever been nervous before? Do what? Have you ever been nervous before going onto a film set or going into a project? Uh, yes, 100%. (laughs) So like, I'm not kidding. Like a couple of times where I've had to like be in my trailer, like literally on my knees praying, like, I need you to calm me down, Lord, because Mm -hmm. I'm freaking out over here. And, you know, I can't get this line right. And this person is yelling at me and, you know, or whatever. So I think, you know, there are definitely some projects, you know, especially when it's a big director or, you know, big producers and you want to make a good impression and, stuff like that. To be honest, I haven't had too many horror stories, but I've definitely had a couple where, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the experiences, but, um, yeah, I think there are nerves and I think there's also nerves just because, you know, you do all your homework and it's a very lonely process and you, you know, prep your character and do all the stuff that you need to at home Mm. and you get on, you have to make sure that you can, you know, kind of do the, the work, make sure that it shows up all the work that you had done and, so instead of trying to like force things in your head, the point of being an actor is to do the homework ahead of time and then let it go and just be present. Mm. Um, and that can be hard sometimes, especially if there are technical issues or distractions or things like that, which is why I think, you know, a lot of times on set people will see actors with headphones and I think it's because they've done their process. And so in order to not be distracted by other things, they want to stay, you know, in a good headspace so that they can then tap right into what they need to. Mm. Um so, yeah, there have definitely been moments where I've felt nervous and there are moments where I feel like, you know, people didn't probably get the best performance from me that I would have liked to have given. And you can't beat yourself up over it. You can only do the best that you can do and then kind of move on from it. And, um, you know, but preparation meets opportunity. And if you, you know, do your homework, then you should be able to show up and then just play, which mm-hmm. is the point. It, that's what it is, really. And I always say that if you're not nervous, there's something wrong. Right. You've, you've gotten to that point where you're too comfortable, so therefore you need to make yourself uncomfortable uh, once again. Right. Find, find a new challenge because life, yeah. life's about learning. Um, sorry, she's going again. <laughs> no, that's Lisa. okay. Yeah, so life. Yeah, and. Yeah. And nerves can be like, nerves can also be like an excited nerve, you know, like I feel like I get nerves sometimes, not because I feel like I'm not prepared or I'm going to do a bad job, but because I'm excited and I want to do such a good job Mm. that it's like this whole like, okay, let's get over the first initial like couple of takes and then I'll be, then I'm like good to go. Yep. A hundred percent. I get, I still get nervous like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. it's It's just one of those things, but really when I'm on a film set, I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm. I'm jittery, like I'm excited, like this is what I know I'm meant to be doing. So, yeah. Um, I guess finishing up a little bit, I've got a couple couple more yeah. questions. Um, so yeah. three bits of advice that you could give people that are either starting out or just need a little bit of a boost. I think you've said quite a lot of advice already, but the three yeah. main bits of advice that you, you really, really believe. Mm. That's good. Um, I would say, um, I would say be the hardest worker in the room. Mm. I don't, I don't care what you 
how you were raised. I don't know what your work ethic is, but like always give 120%, always be the person who's willing to go the extra mile, who's willing to do another take, who's willing to, you know, help with something. If somebody needs an extra hand, um, really be, you know, just, I think available and work hard. Like, like I said, preparation meets opportunity. And I think if you're somebody who is working your tail off and you've got a good attitude about it and you are helping, um, or serving in some way, um, it, it'll go a long ways. And I think that people, um, will see that. Um, and I think that that's what people want to work with. They want to work with somebody else who is a hard worker, who's good at their job, who doesn't complain, um, and who gives 120% because Mm -hmm. if everybody was doing that, oh my gosh, think of how easy it would be. Um, so I would say that's the first thing for sure. Um, humility is a hundred percent. Like you have to be humble Mm. because at the end of the day, like any gift that you, uh, are putting out into the world is not something that like you created yourself. It was given to you. And so if there's a gift that was given to you, or I believe it's something that was like fostered in you, um, it didn't become great in you because of how great you are. It became great because of, again, it was given to you as a gift and then, and then you worked hard. Yes. But like, it was never yours to begin with. Really. You Mm. just have helped foster it. Mm. So I think, um, hard work and, uh, caring about other people, um, and like being able to serve them through the process, humility. Um, and then honestly, like do your research. If there is like, know who you are as a, as a person, do your research and know what sort of films you want to be a part of, what sort of stories you want to tell, what sort of directors and filmmakers you want to work with, why you like a certain cinematographer, what casting director and what casting so that like, you know, if you would be a good fit, you know, have your age, that casting director for project you want to be in, then like, like you sort of have to be a research whore. In a sense, like, I spent a great amount of time, like, figuring out what films are being made, who's directing them, what directors. Sorry, if Steph, it's cutting out again. Sorry. Sorry. Can you hear me? That's better. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do a ton of research trying to figure out, like. I think we lost a. Steph, we got it back. She's back. She's back. Uh, Not really. Sorry. Can you hear me? It's a little better. Can you hear me? Is that better? Not really. Hello. Hello. No. That's better. I can hear you. That's better. Okay. Right there. <laughs> I will not move. <laughs> That's um, a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Um, what I was just going to say is I think it's those three things. I think if you are uh, working hard, if you're staying humble, and then you're, you know your stuff, like that's going to create longevity for you in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're a team player – and you're humble, everybody wants to work with that person. And if you know your stuff and you're on top of it and you've done the work and the research and you know why you want to work with certain people or who, who it is, or, you know, you're able to have honestly an intelligible conversation about 
what films are important and why and why you liked certain camera angles and shots and things like that, mm. like that'll get you far because if you're just like a film lover and a geek, like other film lovers and geeks want to work with people like that. They just do. Yep. Um, so I would say those are probably my big three pieces of, of advice. That's good advice. I always like asking yeah. that because a lot of people that I've interviewed so far, they all come away with different things. Um, yeah. I think humility has been the first first time from you. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas someone said the other day, another actor said, always be thankful, always say thank you because he said that yeah. you don't know how powerful that actually is sometimes. And so Absolutely. being mindful of all that I think is, is, is quite powerful. Um, so absolutely. Thank you for that, that, that advice. Um, yeah. really appreciate that. And now this is my favorite part because I, okay. I love asking this, these questions. I'm ready. So <laughs> your, <laughs> your favorite film, your favorite actor mm. or actress and the last film that you watched and why? Gosh, these are great. I'm going to start with the, I'm going to go backwards. Is that okay? okay? Yep. That's fine. All right. So the, the, the last one I watched and I watched it last night and it's because I convinced my parents to watch it because they'd never seen it. And I thought it was phenomenally done and I would love to work with this director. Um, but the impossible, I don't know if you've seen it, but oh, the it's, impossible. who's got in it? Uh, it's with Naomi, Naomi Watts, Tom Holland, uh, Ewan McGregor. And it's about the, um, tsunami that hit in 2004. Yes, I think I don't think I've seen it. I've heard of it, but I know which one. Oh you're talking my about. gosh, it is so freaking good! And like, I was blown away when I watched it because I was like, "There's no way this is not a real tsunami." Mm. How did they do this? How did they shoot this? Also, like, the acting is like 120 percent. Tom Holland, he was a kid when he made this, like maybe maybe 12. Um, (laughs) and, and the kid should have won an Oscar. I'm not kidding. He crushed it. Um, and it's so realistic and they just did, I literally cry throughout the whole movie. I can't help. Um, but I watched that again last night, um, cause I convinced my parents to, it was amazing. But other than what they did, oh, my, my mom, my poor mom was bawling the whole time. She was like, (laughs) why didn't you make me? You awful. I'm like, but isn't it so well done? She's like, yeah, but it's awful. <laughs> um, um, so good. She thought it was great. Um, and then the movie that I hadn't seen that I just saw was Joker. Um, oh, how's that? Yeah. I still haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. It it was hard. It wrecked me. I cried a lot through it, um, wow. which is kind of funny. But I, you know, I think everyone has probably a different opinion about it. First of mm. all, Joaquin Phoenix is stupid talented oh, and oh, like yes. <laughs> he like literally one of my favorite movies is gladiator and he crushes that and then Same. he like cr- crushed walk the line like, like for sure should have won an oscar for that and then i love her and like the master and like this like he's just that dude gives 150 percent, and i always believe him mm-hmm. always um, it was really hard to watch because mental health is no joke and it's yeah. very, very important. And I had, I was, my heart was broken for him mm. and the reason he is the way he is, is not his fault. And that feels heartbreaking. But then it also like 
the cruelness of people because they don't understand it because when something's different and when people don't understand they generally are scared of it and so they're they try to address it in the best way that they know how and for a lot of people it's being mean Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it wrecked me it just wrecked me and I felt so sad for him and I could not stop crying for him because I felt sad and and then I felt terrified that he was going to break at any moment and uh man it just yeah, it was hard. I left and was really shook up by it still. Yeah, um, me- so mental that- health, yeah, 100%. Like it's a big, I guess I'm passionate about speaking about mental health. Uh, yeah. Having, having got, uh, gone through uh, at different stages of my life with mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's one of those things that not not a lot of people understand about, but it's the reason yeah. why they don't understand it to begin with. So I think yeah. telling people or the reason for this this podcast is to share stories that, you know, either motivate, inspire or educate people that, you know, might be going through something. Um, yeah. I, may, I may never know what people are going through, but at least I'm trying my absolute best uh, in today's society as well to get information out there from people that are from all walks of life to, right. you know, share it out Um and just use stories because stories are powerful and they can change lives. I, I really believe right. that. And, so. and I totally agree. And, you know, I think there was a stigma before, especially with like my parents' generation. Like you don't talk about those issues. You actually can't. People are going to think you're crazy or put you away or like hmm. act like or look like you have everything put together. And like I think, you know, thankfully we're breaking the walls down with that where like it's becoming more or less taboo to talk about it. It's becoming more of like a no, actually – a lot of people are dealing with mental health health issues and struggling with depression and anxiety and all of these different things. And like the way we can combat that is by talking about it, by helping each other, by, you know, being real and like being honest. And, you know, I think I felt really angry in the theater because I was heartbroken and crying for the Joker mm-hmm. and people are laughing. And I was like livid. I'm like, why are you laughing right now? This is not funny. Like, this is not something you joke about. And like, and I think people laugh because they're uncomfortable again and they don't know what to do with it or they don't have an experience or don't understand it themselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's important to be talking about it. And I think it also helps open up the door so people don't feel so alone or so crazy. Mm. Um, so that, that one kind of wrecked me, <laughs> the last movie that I saw. I've sort, I've sort um, yeah. of got to mentally prepare myself to go in and watch yeah. it. <laughs> I feel yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not like a normal DC comic. That's what I like was going in like, oh, this is going to be like a normal DC comic. It's going to be like, you know, the Batman Joker story, blah, 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 blah. And it's totally about mental health, Wow. Um, which, you know, I guess they show some of that in the preview, but it just wasn't registering for me that that's how heavily they were going to be talking about it. So, um, no. Yeah. So anyway, that's the film part. Let's see. Okay. So my favorite movie and my favorite actor, you know, this is like the most impossible question to answer, right? Yes. That's why <laughs> okay, I ask right. it. Okay. <laughs> okay. As long as you know that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I will say my favorite movie. Um, man, I have so many, literally so many. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go with, (laughs) I love, um, 
oh my gosh, this is so impossible <laughs> to decide. Okay, no, it's okay. I'm literally like, just pick stuff. It's okay. You can pick one. You don't have to be married. It to doesn't, it doesn't have to be it's one. Fine. It can be as many as you want it to be. So you can choose. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm going to choose, choose a couple favorites. Yeah. Great. Um, I love, uh, I love the Shawshank Redemption. Oh yes. Good. Good choice. Um, Frank Darabont is a phenomenal filmmaker. Um, he is an insane writer. Um, he has lived an insane life. Mm. He is a lovely person and I am in awe of his writing and his filmmaking every time he makes a film. Mm. Um, I love the green mile, like for that, like he's just brilliant. I just, I just love Frank Darabont and what he does. So anything he puts out, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, I also, I love the movie, um, uh, far and away, which is an older movie, but it's a Ron Howard film and you might not have seen it because you're very young, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm I'm a fan of Ron Howard, but I just haven't seen that movie of his yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, I think it's probably from like 1992 when you were probably born. Um, so he, it's with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and it is about a, uh, two Irish people. They're both Mm -hmm. Irish. She's from a very wealthy Irish family and he's from a scrapper family. And she decides she's going to leave and come to America to get free land. And he's going to come over with her as her servant boy. And when they get to America, stuff goes awry and they end up living in a brothel and having to get jobs. And he is boxing basically to make money. And she is like working at a chicken factory, plucking chickens. Wow. And it's a, it's about their story as immigrants trying to make it in the U S and trying to have a better life and trying to have freedom from the normal things that, you know, would constrict them at the times for her as a woman, for him as a, you know, an Irish immigrant living in, you know, New York and is he seen as sort of like dirty and like nobody wants to give him a job. Mm. Um, anyway, and over time they end up, you know, sort of falling in love with each other and all of these things happen and, you know, they both want land and they want to get out West, you know, with the gold rush and, and get land and stuff. Anyway, it is a beautiful film. And I think the reason I love it so much and, you know, people complain about how Tom Cruise is, you know, his accent sucks and all this stuff, but, (laughs) but I will tell you this, like, Tom Cruise, like that dude gives 150%. Oh yeah. Like he does. And honestly, he might not be my favorite actor by any means, but like he gives 150%. And in his days, like from Top Gun to the firm to like a few good men, like that dude, he's, he's killer. And he was in his prime then, and he's still a great actor. And I loved Far and Away because I believed him. It was so much heart. It's a period piece, which is my favorite. There are horses, which is my favorite. And like, <laughs> like there's this, like, you know, he's scrappy and he's trying to make it. And yeah, I just, I love it. And I love Ron Howard and he makes beautiful films. And um, Ron Howard is, so I is would, one of a kind, I have to say. Yeah. Right. He's, he's amazing. And then, yeah. and then I'll say a quick thing. Um, I really love like the Count of Monte Cristo and like Braveheart and Gladiator and like uh, yes. Chocolat and you know. Um, I think my uncle gosh. worked on Chocolat. Stop it! Are you serious? I think he did. Um, oh, I have to. I have like to double check that with him. But he's a special makeup effects artist. 
So he's worked on so many films. Um, Yeah. So I have to to double check. Yeah. And then like, honestly, like Baz Luhrmann, like that, that man can do no wrong. Like Romeo and Juliet helped shaped my love of film. Um, You know, little women. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. There's so many movies. My my mom subjected my brothers and I to seeing Anne and Green Gables. You mean Gables. allowed you? And I and I subjected. It was it was torture. <laughs> <laughs> it was torture. It got it got to the point where we had to sit down and watch Anne and Green Gables, Little Women, uh, Pride <gasps> and Prejudice, all those films. She made us yeah. watch to get us cultured uh, and appreciate these are good stories. Um, they're what, great stories. What me and my brother did, though, <laughs> is you know that Pride and Prejudice uh, versus Zombies movie? Oh, yeah, I loved that. So my brother and I actually came up with the idea first to do a, to basically out of spite. We were like, we're going to yeah. make a zombie movie out of Pride and Prejudice versus, uh, or make it into a zombie film because mum absolutely loves it. So we're going to do it yeah. just, to, just to annoy her and see what she says. But the funny thing is they actually went and did it anyway. And the film actually, oh. to me, the film is much better than the original. <laughs> oh, my gosh, the, you're hilarious. The one with the zombies I'm, in it. <laughs> it's hard to say that, but it was good. Yeah. It, it was amazing. Uh, they need to make more films like that one. Like, I, I honestly, yeah. if they don't make an Anna Green Gables zombie film, then I will be making it later on. Like, that's that's my... Hey, they're waiting for you to make it. That's I know. They gotta hold off. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood, I'm coming for Anne and Green Gables. <laughs> so. Do you know werewolves or something then? <laughs> oh yeah, werewolves, zombies, uh, vampires. Um because my uncle can do all yeah, that. They're... We can we're just gonna have a ball. He's always said to me, Jared, he's like, go out there, make a movie, but Mm-hmm. You can we can make it into like zombies or because I'm a huge like I'm a big writer as well. Like my my genres mm-hmm. are drama. And I love I love making or writing stories that have messages in them. And a lot of the yeah. stories that I've written so far, they all come from either a personal place or just me just being so creative um, and yeah. wanting to see it actually on screen because I haven't seen it before. Yeah, so that's right. And he said to me, like, Joe, you don't need that much money. Go out there and, and make it. He's like, don't limit yourself to what you can't do. He's like, yeah. um, don't have don't have props or anything in, in the back of your mind. He's just, just write and we'll figure everything out else out later. So uh, I think it's – That's brilliant. I know. And having that kind of connection, like growing up, I, I always wanted to work with him. So, But I yeah. think I, was, I wasn't ready yet. And now <laughs> I'm finally ready – to actually start working with him and um, he's great. Like I, I really look up to him. He's been that's a great, amazing, a great mentor in my life. Um, yeah. Which I guess is my next question. Have I yeah. already asked that, right? Mentors in your life? Do I have mentors in my life? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. You know, I think it's in sort of different, um, different kind of areas of my life. So like in terms of just like my life, like my dad, I just – I love him. He, he and I are sort of cut from the same cloth. We have a lot of similar qualities and we think uh, very similarly on a lot of things. So we sort of connected, you know, when I was young. Um, and 
I think we're both pretty headstrong and opinionated. Um, and, but he also, he just has the biggest heart. And I, he always told me, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Preparation meets opportunity. You work so hard and be so good, you know, that they can't help but notice you. Um, and those are all things that I really respect on top of the fact that like, not only did my dad work hard and like create a career out of what sort of everybody thought would never happen for him. Um, but he did it with so much grace. He loved people well. And like he, his character and what he represents in his everyday life is something that like I admire so much. Um, so he's probably, you know, probably one of my biggest influencers. Um, I have a, an actual mentor um, that is just a life mentor. She is an older woman who uh, I love. Her name is Anne. And we, um, you know, when I'm living in Nashville, we meet once a week and grab coffee and connect. And, you know, growing up, I think something that was really uh, phenomenal and I feel very blessed by is that in my family, you know, in our group and circle of friends, we probably had five families um, that were all really close yeah. and like, I knew all of those kids' parents loved me as much as my parents loved me, and they would discipline me the way my parents would discipline me. And so, and when we sat down together, they would say, hey, Steph, how are you doing? How's your heart? What's God teaching you? What's going on? Like, how's, like, are you having good things going on? Or are you having tough things? Let's, re- let's really talk. Mm. And man, I knew they cared. And like, these are people that like, as an adult person now, like, I can call them and talk with them or I can ask their advice or opinion on things. I know that like if I had any problems and my parents were, weren't here, I have, you know, five other incredible adult people in their sixties that I can talk to who are, you know, like family to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really lucky to have Anne in my life um, because she is in that same generation, but I get to meet with her once a week. So I love that. And then in terms of like filmmaking, um, the filmmaking world, you know, I don't really have a mentor. I have some friends that I've worked with who are um, a husband and wife duo, and um, she's a director and he's a producer. And I've worked with them on a project before, and they just sort of—they're so lovely. They're—they became obviously really good friends, but they just sort of championed me and, and encouraged me and believed in me, and um, have just said, you know, how can we help you or. Um, we really believe in what you're doing or we want to read your writing or like, how do we help get that out there and things like that. So mm. I would consider them to be, um, you know, people who are, uh, kind of on my team and, and trying to, to help me get my work out there and be able to work more consistently. Um, but I have always, you know, I've always really wanted a mentor in the industry who I could call and be like, Hey man, like, what do you think about this? Does this writing suck? And if it does like, tell me honestly, because I don't have an ego about it it being bad. What I care about is it getting made. And so how do I make it better? Mm. Like, that's what I care about. And so, um, to be honest, like if I could pick a mentor, I have no idea what she's like as a person, but just in terms of like her skill as an actor and her, um, skill as a writer and a director, Emma Thompson, like a hundred percent. I'd be like, can she mentor me, please? I want to learn from her writing and I want to learn just about, all of that stuff. Um, so I would love to have, um, you know, a filmmaker like that, that I could work with. Um, and I don't think I went through earlier, which is fine, but about who my favorite actor is, but I just have actors and directors that I want to work with. I watch them and I'm like, man, I feel like I would learn so much or man, like 
that person feels so real and invested and involved. Like I want to work with them or I love the way the outcome of this film turned out. And I know that has to do with this director being at the helm. So like, you know, um, I don't per se have a, you know, one in the industry, but I, I would really like one and I'm still looking for, you know, that to happen maybe down the road, hopefully. The time when you're right. Uh, sorry. When the time will come when you're ready, then uh-huh. that will happen. hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's great. I'll be like, looking forward to that then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And I guess my last question, sorry, I'm a bit distracted with everything else that's going on around me. My dog's coming in and all that sort of stuff. Um, no, you're okay. But what's what's next for you? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. Um, so I've been working on a bunch of projects. I'm, Man, I'm somebody who's not great at um, balance in my life. Mm. <laughs> I'm really trying to work on being better balanced at not just like being all in on one thing or like not doing like, you know, 40 different things at once, being able to kind of focus. Um, I, I'm writing a lot right now. Um, I'm not kidding. I counted it up the other day and I'm like currently writing like 32 different things. Wow. And like, (laughs) that's too much. It's too much. And like, but I'm excited about each of these projects and like some of them are features. Some of them are, um, pilots and television series. Some of them are short films. Some of them are, um, actually just like a cinematic short stories. Um, you know, I have, like I said, my blog, I'm working on my children's book. So I'm just writing a lot right now. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, work on getting a bunch of my pitches together so I can pitch some of my projects and hopefully, um, get some of those made. I have a goal this upcoming year that I want to make for sure. A couple of my short films that I, um, I want to star in some of them, but some of them aren't, you know, just star vehicles for me. Some of them are things I just want to direct other people in. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to work on getting some more of my writing and directing out there um, because I really would love to. And I just want to be creating more opportunity for me to be positioning myself to write and direct things. Um, so I'm working on that. Um, and then I um, did commit to work on another project um, coming up in January, which will be exciting. Um, and it's sort of, um, it's about the like foster care system. Oh, It has a little, like a, it has a little bit of a feel of like short term 12. Um, and it's called a yellow kite. So I'll be working on that, um, which I'm pretty excited about. And other than that, you know, I'm just always, you know, auditioning and, um, you know, submitting tapes and hoping, you know, that something hits, Mm. Um, but other than that, like I said, just trying to write and direct more and really get some of my projects made. I have a couple of TV shows that, um, man, I'd really like to get out there. So I'm heading out to LA this week actually, and I'm hoping to, you know, pitch a couple of things to some friends and, and see if we can't get some movement on, on those. So that's sort of what's next for me. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Really, really good to talk to you, Steph. I am very mindful of uh, your time as well. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share your words of wisdom as well and your stories. Uh, They've all been a help to me, but I know they're going to be a help to everyone that's listening to this show eventually. Um, Yeah. yeah, Once again, really appreciate it. And hopefully we can get you on later on and, and talk a little bit more. 
Absolutely. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. I, I'm like I said, I'm a big dork. I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> <laughs> so could I. If I if I get onto the right sort of subject matter, then I'm I'm gone. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. Well Yeah, well thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So what did you guys think? Did you guys enjoy this episode with Stephanie Butler? Really do appreciate you, Stephanie, coming on and sharing all those stories and just giving up your time because time is very, very important. And I really, really am appreciative of all those people who have given me the actual time of day and I've been able to interview them. Um, Stephanie was very, very gracious with her time and hopefully you guys were able to get over that, uh, the internet kerfuffle. I'm, I'm working on that, but it's very, very difficult when you've got someone that's in, in America and you're here in Australia um, and you've got different internet zones and all that sort of stuff. So we, we did the best that we could. So I really do appreciate your patience, everyone. Um, I keep saying that a lot, don't I? I appreciate it. Because I actually do. <laughs> um, so just a little bit more of housekeeping. So if you did get something out of this week's episode, then please do share it around to anyone that you might know. Get the story box out there. So I know that it's being spread across the entire world. There's people listening out in many, many different countries. Um, but we, need, we still need your help. We still need um, more people to listen in and keep, keep the growth coming. Um, I love... Love it when people reach out and say, look, I've loved it. If I've got something out of it from a different guest. Last week we had uh, Charlie Biller, episode eight, uh, who's a Hollywood film producer. So you can listen to, to what a producer actually does and listen to some of his advice as well. Um, but yeah, please, please do actually share it out if you did get something out of it as well. Um, let your friends know. It's, it's a great show and I've got a lot more exciting guests coming up. I was able to interview someone just just not that long ago actually who really, really challenged me and I'm really looking forward to actually um, putting that episode out there but that will be a, a little bit later on. I uh, can't spoil who that is uh, but keep up to date with my social media as well. Uh, you can have a look at the Storybox um, uh, Instagram page and Facebook page or you can have a look at my own personal one it's DJ underscore director J you can see what I'm up to usually what I'm posting has to do with the podcast or it has to do with something along those lines but anyway guys thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode have a great new year and I'll see you in the new year actually 2020 let's make it great alright guys don't forget to keep sharing your stories out there thanks guys up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 